and the show certainly shall continue. 21 hours, 11 minutes into the new hour. We don't have too much time left. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in the second segment of SAFM, The Viewpoint. And of course, the gentleman who dropped in that last voice note, there are many times that Mike and I have, if you like, had an on-air fight, whatever that means. Um, I don't think it's ever personal. In fact, I have a standing invitation to give him a shout when I am in Cape Town so that I can be in his living room where he has promised me a braai and wine. I'll pass on the wine, but certainly not on the meat. And I remember the day quite clearly, um, whatever it was, all in the spirit of vigorous and robust debate. From time to time, it may happen, as it did then, that one will lose one's patience for whatever reason, but... um, I was also quite proud of myself, the fact that my pride didn't get in the way and professional etiquette prevailed. And thank you so much for recognizing that. It's In the final analysis, it does sort of help me keep in check, really, because I am, for this moment, at least, for the time I'm on air, I'm in the public eye in every sense, in the public ear more correctly. But that was appropriate for radio. And thank you so much for recognizing that. I can't take it further than to express my gratitude. Ms. Paula Quincy, relationship coach, author, and international speaker. Hashtag health on Monday. This is our conversation this evening. Managing healthy spousal relationships. Easier said than done. I don't have too many questions. Walk us through this very important institution about the sanctity of the home, where many people get their sense of identity, their center, their stability, their validation, leaving a home that one claims to take on the world with all of its challenges, and when the sun sets, going back to that space that augments one's presence to somebody who fills in many gaps. The value of healthy relationships, Paula, Walk us that journey. I've got very few questions, and I'm hoping that to the extent that I'm not going to be asking questions, the listeners will participate because we're going to exploit the fact that tomorrow is Valentine's Day. But also just from a genuine health perspective, the value of healthy relationships, if not between lovers, between friends, between family members, even colleagues, the conversation on healthy relationships. Paula Quincy, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. Hi, good evening to you and the listeners. Certainly, thank you so much. I mean, let's talk about emotional safety, vulnerability, the management of conflict in a healthy way versus a destructive way, especially in this context of gender-based violence in South Africa, and the value to society, healthy relations between people have the effect in the broader community. Absolutely. You know, as you mentioned, um, relationships, whether it's personal or professional, it gives us a sense of belonging and a sense of identity and, and, a, and a sense of acceptance. It's, it's those relationships that we turn to when we want to celebrate the good things in life, but it's also those relationships that we turn to when we need support and encouragement when we're going through challenging times in our lives. Yeah, let's spend time on that. I mean, you mentioned challenging times in our lives, and South Africa is just a challenging space altogether. But it doesn't necessarily need to be like that in the home, despite the challenges that one invariably experiences, challenges in the workplace, loss of earnings, loss of employment, if the economy is anything to go by, the heightened security risk generally against the rising crime levels and all of that. Let's talk about what makes 
a good home, a good home between two people who have committed to each other? So a healthy relationship consists of two people that are able to retain their individuality but come together with intention to co-create the us, we, and ours, which is their relationship. And being able to have an element of respect, an element of honesty, an element of trust, the ability to communicate, and the ability to resolve conflict in a constructive way. Those are the basic foundations of a healthy relationship. And of course, they don't happen overnight, do they? These are (laughs) um, skills or attributes or characteristics of a relationship that take time to build it's all predicated on trust, but also the intent behind doing all of that because of there's a greater picture in mind. Most definitely. And we're not taught these skills in school or university or even in the workplace. You know, um, as we grow and evolve and develop as individuals, we so too do our relationships evolve and grow. So it's about being willing to sit in those uncomfortable spaces and have those difficult conversations and not get distracted in the process. You know, we name, shame, blame, belittle, become abusive, all of those things, but rather embrace conflict with curiosity because conflict is growth trying to happen. We're being pushed out of our comfort zones or our safe spaces. We're being challenged on a level that is is out of our comfort zone, which is why we don't like conflict. We tend to avoid it, and we're conditioned from a young age that conflict is a horrible thing, Um, when in fact it's a great opportunity to learn about yourself as an individual, but also about your partner and your relationship as a whole. Let's talk about the things that remain, irrespective of even the healthiest of relationships, challenges within the relationship. As a relationship coach, as an author and international speaker, I do want to exploit your experience that is true across cultures, across era, across generations, across all the other things that otherwise we human beings use to keep us apart. Despite all of that, what remains the biggest or one of or among the challenges of relationships that couples or persons who commit themselves to each other constantly need to guard against, constantly need to work at or avoid, as the case may be, so as to avoid what many, unfortunately, were not able to avoid, which would be the end of that relationship, however defined. I think one of the biggest things is unmet expectations. You know, we come into a relationship with predefined expectations based on our upbringing and our childhood, and then also from a societal point of view, so particularly around gender stereotyping and what role men should fulfill and what role women should fulfill. But that goes across the gender spectrum as well. And we don't really communicate these expectations to each other. So we interact with our partners. We have this expectation, which we're not communicating. And in fact, what we're actually doing is we're setting our partner up for failure because we haven't given them insights into what we are expecting from them as a partner and what we're expecting from a relationship. And that's where the disconnects come in in terms of, you know, the misunderstandings, misinterpretation, miscommunication. And so it's about two people being willing to evolve and grow together 
and, and, you know, through the good times and the tough times. Life has ups and downs and our relationships have ups and downs and that's never going to go away. It's how you navigate those speed bumps, as I call them, to come out on the other side stronger and in a better position than before. You have two people in front of you right now. They're confirming that they have a challenge. Let's say they have a challenge in relation to commitment to communication, however difficult that is, because of their respective backgrounds um, and, and, and whatever they hold true from what they saw and experienced from where they were won't necessarily be true for this relationship. You've clearly diagnosed there's a communication difference here in terms of those expectations. How do you get both parties to open up to each other, even to be vulnerable to each other, without either feeling exposed in that situation? The most important thing is about equipping them with tools and skills to create safety. So when they co-create safe relational space, they are able to communicate on a much deeper level and create trust and then open up and be more vulnerable with each other. And the most important thing is it's not about who's right and who's wrong. It's about what can we learn in this moment and what can we do with this information? How can we apply this information and these insights going forward to be better partners for each other? Because we value each other, we respect each other, and we want us to succeed. We want our relationship to succeed. How important are finances in this entire conversation? Finances are one of the top five things that couples often argue about and end up getting divorced or breaking up over. And again, it's around expectations when it comes to finances, around, you know, and we we don't like talking about money. Let's be honest, it's not a sexy topic to talk about, right? So it's really about some of these very honest conversations couples need to have right up front in the early stages of their relationship as to, what is the expectation around um, who brings in what from a revenue or an income point of view? Who pays the bills? How do we split it? What seems fair um, based on relative income and earnings? How do we manage crises together? For example, if one of us gets retrenched, how do we plan for our financial goals and financial futures? And that's where couples have to you know, have some of these challenging conversations because they're going to be coming from different backgrounds when it comes to money values, which is what we get in our childhood and growing up. And we learn that in our family environment. Sure. Let's talk after the break as we continue this conversation with Paula Quincy, the advent of children and how they on their own are a serious dynamic in a relationship. The time is 2121. On the Viewpoint. 2123, we are talking about managing healthy spousal relationships with relationship coach, author, and international speaker, Ms. Paula Quincy. Whilst we've been talking for the most part about two people, the advent of pitter-patter of little feet changes the dynamic altogether in this country, and we don't need to go very far. How many single women are there or single fathers out there because when the baby was announced as coming, the relationship itself changed and ultimately became the beginning of the end. Why does that happen, Paula? That's because when we have children, our focus and our attention primarily goes on to raising the child because the child is so codependent on us for all its needs to be met and taken care of. 
and um, you know all the focus and attention goes onto the onto the child and raising the children, and our relationship tends to take a back seat. It's, it doesn't become a priority because everything else has now become a priority. And so often what tends to happen is couples tend to drift apart while they're grappling with parenthood in their respective ways as a mother, as a father, and dealing with everything that comes with that, the emotions, the finances, the struggles. And and often that's what causes couples to grow apart and disconnect um, instead of growing together as a couple and as a family unit. Family support, extended relatives, friends, are they in a position to be roped in more? Perhaps to distribute that strain and stress that a baby can be or a child can be? To what extent then do you open up your nuclear family to those third parties out of respect? I'm going to say third parties being the friends, being the aunts, the uncles, the brothers, the sisters, the grandparents. To manage, if you like, this new person altogether who requires... 24-7 guidance and presence of a, a parent. How, how then do those relationships lend to the sanctity of this core relationship that results in the child? Support structures can most definitely help and add an additional layer of support, not only to the parents themselves um, or as a father or as a mother individually, but also to the child, you know, when, when it comes to um, other roles like grandparents, cousins, aunties, uncles, etc. I think most important is that the actual couple or parents themselves need to be aligned and on the same page as to how they feel about bringing in additional support structures and what those boundaries potentially look like. Because in some cases, extreme cases, you can get you know, third parties that um, can cause additional stress and anxiety to a couple and their newborn child. As the children leave the house again, and suddenly it's the two people who started out and I'm jumping quite a few um, generations in this life cycle of a relationship here. Two people who have for the longest time been a busy. It's never, well, it was 20, 30 years ago where there were just the two of them. And now things are moving a little bit slower, albeit with more resources, but things are moving a bit slower. One has fully established one's ways, both parties in this relationship. But what could have been the glue is no longer there, or what would have been their preoccupation for at least the previous 20, 30 years is now out of there engaging oneself in the world out there. How do the older folk manage? Because it is not a transition that is negligible. It is a serious transition. Absolutely. You're talking about the, the empty nest syndrome where you know, kids have now moved out of the house and um, the couple goes through a range of emotions in terms of you know, the emptiness or the void that's left with the children gone. Potentially there's a void in the relationship as well because they haven't spent as much time together and connecting and building their relationship. And this gives them an ideal opportunity to reinvent themselves as a couple as they move into this next life stage that they're entering in and to put the focus and priority and attention back on their relationship and to start reconnecting and doing some of the things that have potentially they've put on hold while they've been focused on raising children. 
Let's leave it there. Do you have any final comments? Otherwise, relationship coach, author, and international speaker, Ms. Paula Quincy. I would say, you know, there is no such thing as the perfect person or the perfect relationship, but rather it's how perfect can you be for each other. And that it's the little things that you do on a daily basis that is going to contribute to building a healthy relationship with great intention. Couldn't have said a bit of myself. Thank you, ma'am, so much for your time. And we certainly wish that wherever you go, you have less and less of these cases and we can celebrate more and more healthy relationships, Miss Paula Quincy. 2128 is the time, folks. We continue the conversation and we're going to get